1: So Christian and Hakan, tell me, because I have to know, do you have a favorite assassination in a Hitman game? And it can be any Hitman game.
0: Well, I mean, for me, it comes back to, uh, to a question. It, it's obviously been asked quite a few times. I think many people have their own answer. Um, for me, it always comes back to the, um, the senator we had in, uh, in Sapienza, an elusive target. And the reason it's my favorite is not because of the target itself. I mean, we have so many interesting targets in each their own ways um, in many different games. But this one was because the 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 way it was done was recorded by by a guy who who basically went through so many hoops to create a, a silent assassin on on a, on a target where you only have one shot. So he must have trained and prepared and started over. And then when he did it, what you saw in the video is just a guy in a bell tower shooting a silenced pistol in in a window, and he shoots one time, you know, two times, and you go like, "What is this?" And then it goes, Poop, do, 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 poof, sound assassin. and then he then and, and he leaves, and then the whole deconstruction of what went on that Rube Goldberg machine he had to orchestrate, knowing if he screwed it up, that would be it. He only had one shot. That still stands out to me because it it tells tells you know volumes about the sandbox nature of the game, so I think that's why I love it so much i don't I don't have a you know between all the like the ones we crafted obviously I don't really like to keep favorites, but I just love that one because it puzzled everyone at the studio at the time he did it, and the deconstruction of it was was glorious basically what he how many traps he had to set distractions, leaving sinks with the force <laughs> turned on, having multiple cascading explosions of uh, fire extinguishers. All of this to strip away bodyguards that were distracted, and then cause a, a chain of explosions through the chimney, uh, and then blowing up the target uh, in what appears to be a freak accident of uh, you know, and and yeah, that's that's to me that will always stand out. Like it, I think it's the essence of the game, in many ways.
1: What a wonderful answer, Hakan. Is there an assassination that stands out to you?
2: I don't know. There, are, I think there are many, many uh, creative ones that the team have 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 done. But I think you know, I think the Sean Bean was pretty pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> also because you know sean bean and you know he always gets gets killed (laughs) Uh, uh, you know a lot of people got to kill him again and again and again in a hitman i think that was pretty pretty cool Uh, and and he was really really cool to work with so that just added to it that experience but i think actually uh uh, i think one of the first ones in the training missions uh, i think his name was knight right like uh, in the uh in the uh jet in the uh fighter jet where you Kind of giving instructions until he ejects himself to death. I think that's. uh, (laughs) It just encompasses the dark humor of uh, IO Interactive. I think that was beautiful. Yeah, I think it's interesting
0: because it's one of those. uh, I recall when we did that back in the day, like this constant discussion of how much can we guide players, um, how much do we want to set up towards these moments. We were quite anxious about that, and it turned out that you know it's become some of the hallmarks. Like even as people love to. You know, improvise, um, finding these kind of staged kills, and you know, yeah, you know, it, letting a guy inject himself uh, is obviously now a staple of what goes on in in, in the uh, in the Hitman series. But back then, it was like we felt uh, pretty uh, pretty anxious about you know allowing ourselves to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah and it's this wonderful kind of bubbling undercurrent of, <laughs> of humor that's in the game. You know, humor that's actually in the game, and then the humor that comes from people playing and then is kind of shared around um, as well. Wonderful answers. Welcome to One to One, a series where I, Bertie, a journalist at Eurogamer, talk to brilliant people from around the world of games about the work they do. So today it's the story of Hitman and with it the story of Danish developer IO Interactive because the two are intertwined and inseparable. The story as far back as my two guests can remember because the studio and series are a little older uh, than the time they've been there. They are two of the co-owners. So if you're watching this, on the right, there's Hakan Abrak, who's the CEO. And on the left, there's Chief Creative Officer, Christian Elverdam. Hello both, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, and thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. Where are you today? Are you at the studio? Is this what we're seeing? A kind of meeting room at the studio behind you?
2: Well, we are at one of our studios, and this one happens to be in in Copenhagen. Uh, okay. Um, yeah.
1: Fantastic. And I see there's a, a blackboard just behind you, Hakan. Is that some top secret information uh, that we can see? <laughs> no.
2: I, I, I must disappoint you there. I think that's just uh, some scribbling of some work session stuff. So it's not going to be a lot of uh, top secret stuff for you guys to uh, uh, uncover
1: okay and i like asking people this because it 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 gives a glimpse into the kind of schedules um, of of busy people making games but what have i interrupted you both doing today what would you be doing if you weren't speaking to me now
0: well i mean for me it's it's talking to all the guys and girls who make the games most of the time i'm in in some meeting about something going on um and right now actually uh, uh for me personally i'm I'm getting ready to go to GDC. So Uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling since uh, COVID, uh, but kind of uh, anxiously awaiting that whole um, trip across the Atlantic and, you know, getting to see some great developers and hopefully, uh, you know, learn something in all the talks. So I've been preparing for that as well. That's all the, uh, what do you call it, uh, the ESTA and all that stuff that used to be (laughs) second (laughs) nature. I was like, oh man, I have to remember what, how does this work again?
1: And how about you, Hakan?
0: uh you know lately i've been
2: traveling uh, a lot for the back between between uh, some of the studios uh and like to be a bit more specific today actually i've been discussing um a lot with uh my team around me about um you know work from home okay. and uh you know how it has been since corona and how we are um you know how it's um it's um, how well it's working in some areas, and, and what kind of challenges it poses in, in different areas, and how we can optimize that. It, it's uh it's Is that something trying that we've to been coach agile people
1: back to the studio. Or? Well,
2: it's like you know we never let people completely go, right? Right. So we never went into a space where like work from home. Of course, we did that in the start of the corona, uh, but um, so since then we've changed that to you know a few days a week from home. Uh, whether that is uh, like um, floating days or whether it's going to be some uh, fixed days during the week and stuff like that, uh, you know, because it's like, there's no doubt that this gives a lot of flexibility to our team members. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's also very interesting to see the different surveys and whatnot trickling in now from the effects of, you know, if you are away from... studio uh, two and a half days a week in average that actually makes you you know it sneaks in makes you a bit detached from the culture Mm and from the studio and in effect you know the studio will will kind of be challenged with uh you know togetherness so it's a lot of these things we are talking about how can we balance the obvious benefits for people to have some time at home to to focus uh, and the flexibility that comes with that next to how we don't lose ourselves and the togetherness yeah. and the feeling of being a part of something.
1: Yeah, I think we have exactly the same conversations going on um, at our company as well, for exactly the same reasons. So you mentioned the other um, offices that IO has now. So obviously you have in Copenhagen, that's like headquarters. Um, and I think you have one in Barcelona now. Sure. And there's one other, I think, but I can't remember. There's where one in Malawi as well. Okay.
2: Uh, you called uh, Copenhagen as the headquarter, and uh, you know I think it started here in Copenhagen, but one of the things that we really emphasize on is not to... Of course, there are some remnants of that. that a lot of the senior people, veterans, being here for 20 year, years plus are yeah. situated in Copenhagen, so that obviously uh, comes with some um, you know, some uh, uh, Tradition, whatnot, right? But what we are really trying to do is not to act like there is a headquarter, or the the okay. idea of there is an elite studio and then there are helper studios and whatnot. I, I know some studios are are operating like that. Some companies are doing that. But for us, it's been like very very important from the get go that you know we've been very conscious about how we want to grow because growth that's, that there has been in I O. Uh, significantly, since uh, 2016, mm-hmm. right um, when we launched the first uh, entry on the world assassination, and um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about earlier was like, do we want to be 300, 400, 600 people under the same roof in one building? Yeah. And, and and we don't. I, I think I believe in something called the Dunbar number. If you get uh, above like 140, 50 people in in one location you kind of, again, lose this togetherness, right? It gets okay. a bit alien, like you get distance, right? I mean, as you can hear, these things are very important to me. But uh, so so we were like, okay, so how can we grow mm-hmm. where we can grow on other locations where we also can meet talent where they are, uh, but also, like, uh, you, know, you, you know, millions of people can work together, collaborate, but it's good to have this local feeling as well at the same time, right? So how can yeah. we be around 150 here and 150 in another city and 150 in another city, where the thing is not about the studio studio uh, label, like not labeling the studios, like you're the studio that does the live tail, you're the studio that does this and that and QA, and this studio is doing the sixty, sexy, sexy bits, right? Like uh, that's, <laughs> Which that, are the... that's not it. Uh, because um, the way we structure it is that our projects are front and center. So our uh, game director can work from here. Uh, uh, executive uh, producer on same project can work from Malmo. It doesn't matter really. It's like uh, it's the project that funds the right? So it's ah, spread around okay. with talent uh, across the studios we have. So um, yes, of course, it all started in Copenhagen, uh, but it's very important to us not to not to create a feeling of this is the elite studio and and people yeah. working on other places that are not so. So we, you know, all our games are worked upon. The teams are, uh, you know, the the team. They are not like a B team, and uh, and they all uh, come from different places, from different backgrounds, and working in different
0: cities. Yeah, it feels and like it's, a- it's- It's something we tried on on Hitman Three, as you mentioned. Matthias was in uh, in uh, Malmo, and Forrest was in Copenhagen, the executive producer and the game director. Just as, like, they, we really tried to embrace it full on that that this this collaboration must. Must be able to, uh, to succeed and I think it does to a large extent uh, but on the topic of, of uh, like what happens to the workplace when we're not together I think one one thing that we have discovered which is uh, is this intangible thing where and I'm sure you, you guys know that as well but you're, you're sitting in a cross-discipline team most of the time and you're working on some problem now some of the people you're working with might you know be at another location but what typically happens is that someone talks about something they're, you know, battling with and then, you know, the cans come off some other place. Someone goes, Ooh, wait a minute, I might say something. And I don't believe that feature is easy to invent in, in Teams or whatever software you're using, because how do you, you know, take off the headphones and gently listen in on a conversation without being like an elephant in, in some sort of video feed? And I think that, 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 that kind of problem solving organic if you could call like i think we absolutely rely on that when we build games and 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 we need that we need that kind of pulse together and i also think like just reflecting on my time back in the day like there's just some stuff you don't ask about when you're new in in the in you know whatever you do whether you're an animator whether you're a level designer, or whatever you do you're just sitting there and if someone is uh, you know it's can i ask you about this what is it the to do if i do this thing or like there's this whole knowledge sharing well, I think it must be a little bit daunting coming into the industry uh, if you're like completely new, and then you're only on teams calls, and you go like, H- "How you know? How do I do yeah. this?" Uh, and I think that's a profound challenge we're facing in many ways.
1: Yeah, it's um, it feels like a current issue as well. Certainly, as game development teams get bigger or require uh, bigger um, workforces, as you say, Hakan, it's, it's difficult to get everyone under one roof without the studio becoming something. Unwieldy that you just can't manage, so as people spread around the world and you want to have studios around the world to to suck up some of the local talent there, everyone's going to have to learn how to work together anyway. moving on a little bit it's been an event for a few years at i o obviously uh, with management buyouts and hitman kind of relaunches reintroductions in a way, and i'm really pleased that things seem stable and and as you say prosperous uh, for you now, whatever you're doing there it's working so you know, carry on. How are you feeling about how everything is going? About where IO is? About where Hitman is? How are you feeling about that?
2: I think it's uh, I think it's difficult sometimes to. Um, I mean, I'm feeling absolutely amazing about it. <laughs> That's the first thing. But right? <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to kind of uh, um, digest it, right? Like uh, because, as you said, like we're coming from a point where. It was difficult. In uh, you know, when we did the uh, management buyout, uh, there were some difficult conditions, and things looked really, really bleak. Honestly, we were um, 178 people, and uh, you know, part of surviving because we literally had three months of uh, runway before we would go bankrupt. Wow! Uh, so part of it was, unfortunately, to let go of almost. Uh, half of the workforce, team members, and, uh, you know, there were no guarantees that that we would make it, right? And, you know, the day of defeat went from three months to four months, to five months. The the vision we had, the plan we had, the team believing in each other, in us on the road ahead, we we pulled it off, right? And getting from there to a point where, you know, um, not only did we survived, but we are like 200, almost 80 people today, and we are in three different studios. And who knows? Maybe there's going to be some other studios announced sometime soon as well. And and uh, and it's not, you know, it's not about survival uh, now. It's about spreading our wings with you know other titles as well. Like Hitman will always be uh, our like you know, as you said, intertwined with with Iron Tractive, but we've done. IPs before, and uh, you know we have an unannounced project. We have bond we're working on. So it's also absolutely amazing that besides the Hitman franchise that we absolutely love, that we can also spread our creative wings and and uh, expand a bit uh, on, on you know on, on the things that we want to achieve. Right. So I, I think um, yeah. Sometimes I have to like uh, ask myself: Is this really happening? Like uh, <laughs> yes, it is, and it just feels really good
0: i i think there's also um obviously there's the uh, what you talked about our, our journey as a studio and, and hardship real hardship obviously yeah. at, at some points and real victories they felt extremely real the last few years um because they were us it was literally just us which is i think new to it was new to everyone at the studio because normally you're kind of you're part of a bigger entity if you will uh, which makes yeah. it sometimes a little bit harder to understand What's going on? Um, I think if I look back at if we t- if we dial back the clock all the way back to Hitman Absolution, yeah, we did we did a a uh, what I still believe is a fundamentally a really good stealth action game. Um, a lot of what we learned building that game is actually in the current iteration of World of okay. Assassination. What I mean is like getting good controls, understanding how stealth works, uh, ex- uh, you know, uh, experimenting with. Picking up objects, using them as distractions. Like a lot of that blueprint is actually something you can go back and find in Hitman Absolution. But for us as creatives, that game was not like well received within our audience. Like many Hitman fans said, well, that's not a Hitman game. And so if I think back and you, you kind of ask, how does it feel today? What I really like is that we've landed what we believe this iteration of hitman is and we have okay. a very very loyal community that we are very close to that believe the same thing and that was not the case when we started this journey we had we had a fan base who were like can you even do hitman anymore i think <laughs> it's fair to say that was the question you know fans are uh, you know obviously passionate so they ask harsh questions and and sometimes have really high uh, you know demands um, which is which is what it is but in this case i think it was pretty fair to say well, I What's going on here? And I recall, uh, you know, as we started, le- you know, leading into the launch of our episodic game, as it was back then, I recall the, you know, questions from journalists were very much along the lines of uh, from like, you know, cautiously optimistic. I recall Edge magazine said like, okay, sure. I was talking about the right things now, but are they going to deliver question mark? Yeah. And then, you know, you know all the way to people who are going like is this a hoax like what are you doing like why are you <laughs> only doing uh, one uh, one uh, episodic release and all of this you have to see in the context of uh, Haken and I back then talking about wanting to change the formula from like monolithic releases on a five to six year cadence uh, to to having this heartbeat and being constantly out there and then for me personally this desire to try to change the feel of the hitman universe into something more aspirational and more humoristic. So from being down and out and you know, you know, vengeful, you're more like this high profile assassin. You kind of get this feeling of being the best of the best and you get to travel the world, which to me is like an aspirational fantasy, mm. as dark as it might seem. And then using that backdrop that you also uh, talked about of of kind of humor that sneaks into sneaks in everywhere, satire you could call it. But When we say it now, it feels like, ah, yeah, that's almost self-evidence that that would be a good (laughs) place for Hitman to go. But back then, a lot of skepticism and self-doubt and and external doubt, all that stuff, it feels like we kind of overcame that. But that was not like... I I think at the end of Hitman 2016, when the episodic, which was also controversial, uh, (laughs) kind of was, was that episodic stretch was over, and we wrapped up everything in the full package. I recall this sense that I went from people asking, what the hell are you doing? To people saying, that's great. This is an amazing kind of uh, way to take Hitman. It's such a good game. Uh, We won game of the year. It felt like surreal to go from so much doubt to so much praise, Mm -hmm. if you will. And I think from then on, obviously, we got hit by other bumps but that's more like the creative journey i think by that time we started to understand that we had found a home
2: yeah but just to add to that christian like besides the you know the the other hurdles that came and the business um you know our surviving and thriving afterwards but to keep it at the creative um it's 2023 now right like we just released uh the new freelancer mode and The world of assassination has come together. So we've had some of these closures, like some of these Mm -hmm. satisfaction moments, satisfying moments, like the you know the full season of season one and getting to actually finish Hitman two and not going bankrupt. That's one thing, but just doing (laughs) amazing uh, follow up where it came with the campaign right away, not episodic. And you know we had the community, we had people looking forward to it and delivering that, and then delivering Hitman three completely by ourselves, publishing that ourselves, developing uh, that, that ourselves, the satisfaction of really making that as a crown jewel, the, most, the best rated uh, of, of the series, right? But then it just felt like uh, keep, keep giving, because in 2013 we really put the bricks uh, down on this uh, vision of creating an ever-expanding world assassination. So now our paper. So, so this R- is
1: just to pause you there. This is the point where I, th- I think Christian, you kind of take over as director of the mm-hmm, studio and series. True, yes. Okay. And so this so, is when you you sit down and you kind of come up with this. We need to do a big new vision.
0: So to to kind of uh, to kind of uh, uh, I would like showcase that. It's it's kind of interesting. So we just celebrated Freelancer launching, and uh, one of the producers who was a big part of that launch dug out of the old archives we have. A video we made back in 2013 which is called hitman the world of assassination <laughs> which is basically like you do these videos to kind of inspire like uh, ourselves and obviously talk about where we want to go and that video talks it's the first time we label it the world of assassination we talk about this ever expanding ever dangerous you know world where you know targets appear and new locations unlock and all that stuff and it's kind of odd it's kind of cringy when you see it now because were using all sorts of weird assets and we had to like <laughs> pick, borrow and steal to, to bring it together but like a lot of what got said in that video is actually what wrapped up with the uh, you know the whole trinity coming together so yes that's that's not like 10 years ago when we started talking about you know the world of assassination and how you can build you know something that starts as one game but eventually becomes much more than that which I still think is amazing when you when you think about it like opening up Hitman today is like a massive, massive, massive game, right?
2: Actually, uh, like I was the production director uh, back then, and uh, the production side of the strategy of realizing that vision. Uh, you know, the reason why, if you if you boot up Hitman three today, you'll see, um, or Hitman two, you'll see. Back then, with Hitman two, you'll see the location from Paris from Hitman one, Paris, and all the way up to the last location, Hitman two and three would just add to that, right? The same menu. And it's because like, it was meant to be an uh, one executable. Back then. Ah. Right? So so going from box product, not only the way we distributed with, with uh, episodic, but the whole thing, you just imagine the World of Warcraft kind of thing, but just for single player as a service where I these things would just expand and add location, and, and it will add. The reason why it's coming together now and not back then is because when we split from Square Enix, they had the uh, uh, publisher ID in the back-end with Sony. So some of these things we could do, uh, we, we took over as uh, I interacted with the publisher. So some of these things we could do on one platform, but we couldn't do it on the other platform. So uh, so, so so we had to split it up and call it Hitman 2.
0: right? Uh, and,
2: then, and now it feels like getting everything together. And that's what I meant, uh, mm-hmm. getting that whole thing called uh, World of Assassination. It is. I cannot tell you how satisfying that is because it was born. The thoughts were born in 2013. The technical foundation, the, how we produce things, and how creatively it was thought out, and now it gets together. So it's just, uh, it's very satisfying.
1: So it, it, it's it's strange because in in one breath it sounds like the kind of end of a vision. You talked about kind of closure in a sense, mm-hmm. but at the same time it feels like the kind of beginning of a vision oh, yeah. and so, so what what happens now is this is this a platform the world of assassination is this where hit hitman lives and grows for the next 10 however many years or are there will you do a new hitman kind of game at some point in the series what's the kind of thinking there
0: well i think there are a few different ways of looking at that um in many ways, I think one of the answers uh, to what you're asking about is freelancer. So that's a good example of something that we didn't envision like that, but that was a. It feels now like a kind of a logical uh, addition to the world, if you know what I mean. Um, and it comes from actually looking at a lot of our, uh, you know, hardcore players, what they were doing, how they were playing with contracts mode. What is it like? Some people invented contracts for that. There are all sorts of things going on where people were playing with the formula, and that allowed us to go in. Like since it's kind of a living, breathing game, to go in and build that mode. So I think we're constantly curious about how we can build the platform, uh, but we've also said obviously that right now, obviously as a major, major, uh, you know, new Hitman game, that's a little bit on hiatus as we're building another Agent Fantasy that's also uh, taking up a lot of our time <laughs> but obviously we'll come back to our uh, you know beloved uh, agent 47 he's still very much in, in the heart of this company um, so i think we'll in, in i hope we can have our cake and eat it too in the sense that we have such a wonderful platform where we can keep experimenting with what the formula can do and what people expect of it and then at some point obviously you know as any creative it it would be nice to then go in and say okay with, with everything we've learned what would that be if we had to, you know, rearticulate a sandbox? What would that look like? I think that's a that's a super interesting question as well.
1: I see. Okay. So we've heard you talk about Bond a couple of times. James Bond, 007, for people listening, I, I'm sure everyone knows what's going on. So you have a James Bond game in development and it's been in development for a while, I believe, like a couple of years, maybe a few years. How's that all going?
0: Well, I mean, there's obviously not so much we can disclose right now because sure. we're working on it. Um, I think we can say a few things that are, like, first of all, it's it's um, it's extremely both awe-inspiring and literally just inspiring to work with, um, with the team at Eon. Obviously, the people who are behind uh, everything Bond. Uh, they, like, as everything, like, we, we know that. It's kind of odd because from my perspective, I've been used to defending – you know, 1847. You know, people want to do things with our franchise and you kind of feel that stewardship. And obviously, for them, that is uh, their role in in the in the Bond franchise. And so, for us, it's been about finding a mutual understanding of what is what is James Bond about. And as we've talked about, um, we're doing an origin because one thing they, they, they kind of to show the trust they've instilled in us is that that we're allowed to build a James Bond for the games okay. uh, which I think is a profound homage to where our industry is and where the medium is in the sense that yes it's it's time to have a, a a James Bond character who was not a movie character but who's actually comfortably just his own game character and so I think that's super inspiring and 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 you know getting to earn that trust has been very very um I think humbling, and, and 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 we feel a little bit honored. I don't know how to put it. I it, it's just I think for I think most people can imagine this scenario, so we can talk about that set now because obviously we couldn't back then. But but we as part of this journey, we were obviously at Pinewood, and you know I recall Haken and I and, and part of the crew working uh, walking around in what we later found out was the uh, the streets of Havana and no time to die and getting to M's office and, and you kind of feel extremely humbled and you understand the the gravity of what James Bond actually is. And so yeah. that's the journey we're on right now is, is trying to understand, like I'm, with one hand, I think we can safely say we're very good at agent fantasy and, and everything we've learned with our with our Hitman franchise. And now we're kind of rediscovering new uh, new sides of the agent fantasy with James Bond.
1: Yeah, because it's tricky because, you know, the films in general have come to sort of the end of an arc. Um, and mm-hmm. they're looking at a new beginning. And at the same time, I suppose you're looking at a new beginning. Is there any pressure to sort of be in step with the films or you're you're making completely your own thing separate?
0: Well, obviously, details. Are, there are many things we can't, you know, unveil. Of course, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that we are building our own thing. But, you know, beyond that, it's, it's you know, really hard to comment.
1: Yeah, so where... Um, I, yeah, I appreciate this is kind of sensitive topic, but where does... James Bond become a thing in your thinking at what kind of point in time are you sitting there going let's do a James Bond game and now i'm going to pitch um eon about this where where does that fit in your history
0: i mean it it's a, it's a, still a, it's a while back i think so w- actually if we think about the whole like w- it's it's kind of an odd situation so in 2013 we're talking about um, this world of assassination pitch, this idea that we wanted to elevate Hitman. And I recall in that in, in some of those talks I had with the studio as well, I talked about that I thought it was a little odd at that point in time that you didn't have any strong uh, agent fantasies and this, this celebration of the spy genre, if you will. Um, and I think already then IO was on a path where we were interested in in kind of that exotic, Mysterious kind of uh, intriguing universe, and then I can't recall the exact date, but at some point it obviously became a, an interesting discussion. What if, because at that point in time, obviously there hadn't been a Bond game for ages, mm. and uh, and obviously there's a big part of like, what does it mean to do a real Bond game? Can can you do what? What what would it be about? And and there we kind of started getting the idea that you know, maybe we should try to talk to them about what is it we're doing and what this is what they're doing with, uh, with, um, with their franchise. I was obviously, uh, as many other people, super enthusiastic about the whole arrival of the Craig era and, and fascinated really by how they are so good at kind of reinventing themselves. And I also think yeah. that gave a kind of a belief that perhaps this could be a thing, that you could reinvent Bond for, uh, for a games medium. And, 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 you know, because it's kind of, you have to have that confidence or belief that we could, could do that together.
2: I think besides the, uh, you know, the agent fantasy that we've been training our agent muscles for twenty <laughs> plus years uh, here, uh, and you know, in 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 that regard, maybe it's not the worst studio to take on this uh, this journey and this task, uh, doing a Bond game. But besides that, I think with with the World assassination, uh, we've also proven to build a community around a single player game. We've also proven how we can go from just this wham bam like box product experience and then it's over but how we can build a universe that's not you know multiplayer battle royale uh, kind of thing <laughs> but it, it is a single player that expands and doesn't really fizzle out and die and then you have to wait five years for For us like the Wall assassination hitman has just been ever growing right with with players counts and, and community uh, and, and I think some of these things uh, is also something that appealed uh, to them, both at MGM and and, and Eon, that it's not um, just you know capitalizing uh, on on IP and just doing one one game and and trying to earn something on it. It's not like that. But when we commit to something, we commit with with everything, right? With community and how we grow this love for uh, the game uh, we're doing and for the IP that we also. Promised that we will treat like our own, uh, right? Yeah. And we'll create a community that that the gamers uh, can call their own, right? It's something that can stand next to uh, the TV and, you know, the, the movies and whatnot, but this can be something where the gamers say, well, it's not just like a gamification of a video, you see, you know, did they. Did they convey Daniel Craig well or not? I don't know. I'll let me look at the pixels. But it, but it's really something uh, like it's an origin story, right? It's beginning of something new. It's beginning, hopefully, of something that the gamers can call their own.
1: Yeah, um, fascinating. I can't wait to see what you've been uh, cooking up. Um, is there any word on when people might hear more? In the distant future or the near future? Not right now. <laughs> so. Also, you've got something different, I believe. I think you're working on three things. So you have World of Assassina- Assassination, Hitman, you have James Bond, and then you have a, a third thing, which I understand is quite different uh, from what you're known for. Is that right?
0: Well, I think the problem here is that uh, if you think we're tight-lipped about Bond, I think we have to be even more tight-lipped about okay. this one. It's true we're working on an unannounced project, uh, but we don't have you know a lot to share here, really. It's...
1: Your happy price price line okay fair enough um so I want to go back in time um, quickly because I like seeing how people kind of ended up um, where they ended up we've touched a bit on some of the things in the history of iO um, so we'll kind of gloss over those a little bit but maybe pull on some some interesting threads so let's go back in time and let's go Way back in time to start with, so how did you both get into games and and why was that always the plan, or did you kind of somehow accidentally end up here
2: yeah I mean uh, i think uh, I think it was part of the plan all the time since uh, since uh, uh, you know I was a very little hacker, and uh, you know it was very very hard for my for my mom to kind of get me away from snatch me away from in front of the screen playing, playing games I'd <laughs> I've been playing games since since forever it feels like. Um, I think, um, you know, my way into the uh, industry uh, and to I.O. was, uh, you know, I I went the academic way, but there wasn't really any, you know, universities and schools back then that was really training for for the game industry. Uh, But I was just trying to kind of, uh, you know, the the bachelor and, you know, uh, the masters and trying to find things in... Mediology and media and whatnot. To kind of and I didn't really know whether it was supposed to be design or something. I was just very excited about games and uh, maybe mostly game design. But it was just like uh, that was maybe the one uh, craft that was uh, very little of to to study game design. It was mostly like 3D or or programming whatnot. Right. And so uh, as uh, you know, as time went on, uh, I found some people and we started this little. Company, mobile company. Uh, we're doing some Java code and doing some uh, some small games, trying to trying to make it there. Uh, but then I, um, you know, I, I had this normal job uh, <laughs> at a at a big uh, the Dan- Danish, uh, you know, Denmark's biggest telecommunication company as a as a, uh, single server developer. But but uh, was a uh, game company like developer in, in in the evenings and the weekends. And uh, then there was this opening. You know, for a producer uh, job in uh, in technology in uh, at Ion Interactive, and you know, in in Denmark, that was that was the place to ah, be, right? That was the okay. AAA space, right? So uh, I um, I saw it way too late. So the application was actually closed, but I called them. <laughs> I just nagged them all the time that they really, really, really need to see uh, you know see me. And you know, went in and uh, I, I I got the job and uh, and you know from there it was like running both Glacier and we have our own in-house uh, technology Glacier One and we were working on a big new iteration of that uh, supporting Mini Ninjas uh, Absolution Ken and Lynch so I started there and went on to do uh, Ken and Lynch uh, Two uh, multiplayer uh, on the game side and from there went on to be the uh, executive producer on Absolution. And then I ran Incubation as uh, as manager. Christian was also working in, in Incubation after we finished uh, the Absolution. And then we went on and started this uh, thing, you know, ever-expanding world assassination thing yeah. in 2013.
1: Nice. How about you, Christian?
0: I think it starts way back. I think... I, I had this um I had some profound experiences with games early. Like I think a lot of it revolves around my father, actually. I play I I still play with him today. I okay, still play nice you know, online games every week. Um but it started back then with, with him coming home with a Commodore sixty-four. And then I think as everyone like arcade games were fun and you played Frocker and whatnot. But then I recall vividly when I got my hands on Elite, the first Elite game, ah. where my mind was completely utterly you could be blown away by this what felt like endless planets that you could just visit where like how is this even possible and then uh, I, I i've sat with my father as well we played sid Meier's pirates on Commodore 64 as well. 64 <laughs> yes yeah. and it had this neat thing where you could find you know you could find your long lost uh, sister and your family and all that stuff um and so my dad took this like we did these like square papers and then we basically, because back then the, 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 the map of the Caribbean was basically pixels, so we could draw the entire map. It was huge, right? The <laughs> like entire map of the Caribbean, so that when we got a tiny hint of a treasure map, by just wow. pattern-analyzing our hand-drawn map of the Caribbean, we could sail directly and, you know, rescue or, you know someone from a plantation or think of a treasure or whatever. And I think that whole thing started me deconstructing, like, How does this actually work? What what is going on here? What are the systems? Why am I like, like, how is, how, how are they serving me these different uh, goals? Um, And so some of these games that are like, I would, I would say they have a high degree of autonomy in the goal setting. They were some of my first really deep kind of uh, where I fell in love with the medium. And then obviously, as I grew up, I started, uh, you know, uh, drawing and um, playing music and all that stuff. Um, I ended up going to the School of Architecture at, uh, here in Copenhagen because at that point in time, you couldn't really, um, there was no education to go into games. It's like way too, It was way too early for that. And then we had the IT university. So I kind of combined architecture, which is really good for computer games, by the way. You have lighting, you have uh, spatial flow, you have a uh, texture and material, you have a lot of stuff you can kind of get, get wise about. And then uh, then some game design from university. And then I also like I kind of I was pretty dead set on going to the states uh, because oh. I thought that was where you know games that they kind of were developed predominantly back then. Um, but then I just thought maybe I should try to get one game under the belt before I go. <laughs> and so I wrote an unsolicited uh, you know application to um, to IO, and then what well, you know I. I They they kind of needed a a designer, so you know within a a week I was I I had a job at IO, and for the longest time I thought great I'll work here and ship a game, and then uh, you know it'll be something else. Uh, But you know, as uh, as is obviously clear, the um, the road was very unpredictable, and I've been fortunate to try a lot of different things. So I never really felt that urge to leave because everything here has been. Well, it's been uh, unpredictable. <laughs> you, you never know going <laughs> to happen, right? So, but it, it happened like a little bit on a little bit as a coincidence. But I still felt I, I still felt super. It was awe inspiring walking into IO like the first week, and you just go, I can't believe. First of all, that I work in a game studio, but I can't believe I work at IO because it's like there there was IO as the developer in Denmark, right? Yeah.
1: So. Let's grab that thought for a second because um, Hitman had been around... I think you both joined in around 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. um, And Hitman had been a thing for a few years. I think there had been something like six games released in almost as many years. They were coming out kind of uh, thick and fast. So what was your first experience of playing a Hitman game? And do you remember what you thought of it?
2: Yeah, I remember it very vividly. I was uh, actually... um... We were very late with an assignment. Uh, <laughs> we are doing a, a C plus uh, plus assignment, and we were like three guys uh, at a friend's home and trying to kind of, uh, you know, solve the things. And I think we uh, <clears throat> uh, illegally downloaded something uh, back then, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was Hitman, the first one, right? And uh, somebody said, oh, "This is a Danish company. done done uh, done a game. Like, uh, oh, let's let's check it out." I think. Already was like uh, midnight, one one uh, a.m., and we were supposed to be done and deliver the assignment ten uh, a.m. So uh, we started just to check it out, and uh, you know we didn't get to deliver that assignment at ten a.m. <laughs> uh, it happened the week after uh, because we, you know, we just played it till, till the morning. It was uh, absolutely, you know, back then, uh, the rag doll just, you know. Taking somebody out and being able to drag them, and uh, it wasn't just shooting, right? You had to actually think about how to approach, uh, you know, the um, the back alley uh, uh, cop coming in, and you know, trying to decode their patterns and whatnot. So it was it was a very different experience from from other games that you played. And I I remember I was like, you know, how how is this done in in Denmark? What what company is this? What what the hell? Like, is like this is pretty pretty good. So uh, that was my that was my
0: first uh, first experience uh, with uh, with Hitman and, and with Iron mm-hmm. Well, my first experience was also Codename 47, but I think for me the journey was a little bit different. I kind of I touched uh, Codename 47, and then I kind of just tried the installments. I, I thought it was extremely impressive. I recall because obviously again, like you had one kind of Danish company, and you go like, is this da- is is it Danish? Back then you didn't have uh, internet. I would let the young kids believe out there, so you had to kind of figure that out. Um, well it was in the early days of the internet but, but you know what I mean Like it, it was it was kind of a thing it was a little bit mythical uh, but for me I kind of I, I tried them but they didn't really stick until I tried Blood Money and for me that oh, okay. was the formative experience like uh, there are moments in that game like, it's uneven I would say but there are moments when it shines where you go like how is this even built and some of the stuff was just crazy like from the Mardi Gras where you had these like this insane crowd and this weird, you know, you're tailing these assassins, and you're we are wearing bird outfits, and these bird outfits were heavily inspired by Danish children's TV. So you're kind of <laughs> oh, wow. from Denmark. It's like not teletopies, but you know what I mean. Like for for, it's very recognizable if you know what you're looking for. So that was one thing. But also like the inner workings of the Paris Opera was like it's insane. Like the depth you could find. And again, back then you don't just go to YouTube. You actually had to kind of work a little bit to to get some of that. Um, and I don't mean like that to sound like a very old man, but you know, it's, it's just a different <laughs> thing. It feels a little bit more punishing because you can't, you don't necessarily know if there's gold at the end of the rainbow when you're trying something. And obviously, uh, Blood Money is a fairly uh, punishing game. You die very, very fast if you get into combat, right? Um, but that, to me, was very formative. It was where, like, I obviously, I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the Silent Assassin. Uh, was also great, but at some, for some reason that didn't stick with me when I played it back then. Later, obviously, it became a kind of a, a, an interesting reference. But for me, like Blood Money was definitely the thing. And I actually recall that, that uh, you know, Blood Money was still the most recent game that has been shipped when I joined IO. So that obviously felt a little bit like, that's crazy. Like, these, yeah. these people built that. And I kind of, it, which is true, I think, for most game developers, sometimes when you poke at how stuff got built, now, I was young back then, rookie, right? So I come in and I start poking questions and I was amazed at how much randomness was in that <laughs> process, right? And, well, someone said, should we blah, blah, and then something got in there and it was like a huge undertaking. You know, at what is a whim turns out a, maybe it's a year-long feature for something to happen, right? So
1: what were you told about, when you, when you joined, what were you told about how Hitman games were made? Was there kind of a Hitman Bible, if you like? Was there some golden rules no, no. Okay. No.
0: No, I think it was like, I think the industry as, as, as a whole has probably matured quite a bit. If you just think about how much stuff goes on with all, like we talked about GDC, but just the craft of making games has become much more um, understood than it was back then. So there was a kind of an, a franchise Bible back then. That was like a tome in paper that you had to open. So you can read <laughs> a little bit about that. But when it came to the game design and, and uh, how to do that, that was extremely, uh, you know, by the seat of uh, of everyone's pants. <laughs> and I recall actually asking uh, when I interviewed, like, because I saw myself as a game designer, um, and I got told, well, we don't have game designers at IO. We have level designers. And I was like, okay, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I think also for IO, it's been a journey of of building the different crafts, uh, game design being one of them. Um, so I think it was, back, it felt more rock and roll, I think, and a little bit more crazy. Like you had some, some, basically an an art side, it's almost like a triangle, you have kind of maybe it's just, it's two heartbeats, you have crazy artists who just draw stuff they think is super interesting (laughs) and then you have like tech or a tech company, tech meets art and then you know, you had kind of, uh, I don't know people picking up the, uh, the pieces in between and trying to duct tape them together that's what it felt like back then so still like extremely bleeding edge but extremely rock and roll as well
2: i think it was a turning point there like in yeah 2005 or 6 when i joined um, you know there was a lot of talks about like the reason why i also joined was mm. because it needed to be less rock and roll a bit, a bit more like order and documentation and technology right like uh, how do you do this and uh, uh, best practices and stuff like that next to building the technology obviously but i think that was the point where uh, there was also switch in in studiohead oh, yeah. where i think the studiohead up till that point was you know uh, stood for something right like th- this was smaller teams more like uh, self thought uh, legends and <laughs> a lot of the rock and roll that he stood for whereas with the new studiohead i think there was a change of change of regime uh, because it it needed to kind of adapt to where I was going I was work, was going from one project to four projects and three engines on the same roof so things got more complex so there was a natural need for getting more like again uh you know onboarding and because you know every week there was like four five seven people starting uh and I think it's also generally in the industry that's where more complex games were happening right then that's where you heard about, well, I mean, Ubisoft has a different kind of formula. There are 1,000 people working one game and whatnot, right? And and the rock and roll, uh, it, it, does, doesn't, it doesn't work right? Uh, back then, right? So I think generally uh, with budgets and team sizes and everything was changing around there. Engines were changing to be able to uh, help and support like many, you know, hundreds of people working at the same time. Uh, so for me, it's very vividly clear that that, because of those needs and, you know, through engine, I could see that change, the requirements coming to us on how to support bigger teams. And I think yeah. that changed everything. That changed like HR, that changed like everything, right? Like how how to, and also the the, 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 the culture in, in, in many ways, of course.
1: Yeah. Did you have a sense, because throughout the 2000s, you know, through this whole kind of Kane and Lynch story and then the Square Enix, split. you know, there's loads going on um, at the company in terms of turbulence and things like that. As this is all going on, we talked about kind of 2013 and solidifying the kind of Hitman vision, but what kind of ideas are kind of bubbling up about what Hitman is? I asked you if people told you what Hitman is when you when you joined the studio. Did that change over the years? Were some wild ideas coming up? Is there now a solid idea of what Hitman is? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: I think it makes sense. I think we, as as I also said earlier, I think it feels like we came home to the franchise, if you will. Um, I think Absolution was trying something completely different—a a more linear, more story-driven approach, uh, because I and and kind of a more like straight-up stealth action game. I think a lot of people had had built a lot of sandbox games without actually knowing or appreciating all the. Like uh, finer details of what that was, and yeah. I think there was this thought that you could just take that and cha- and, and and just I'll uh, how, how put it like that it would remain or it, somehow the DNA would persist into another type of game, which I think was underestimated. I think in part of what it, in part of why it was underestimated is that at, at that point in time, it was not like a common knowledge. What is it? Blood money is about. Like if you ask. 10 people what is hitman blood money i think uh, you would get 10 different answers mm. and i think that appreciation of what is autonomy like what is player autonomy about uh, what are the uh, strengths and also the weaknesses of that um, so for instance one one example hitman is a complex game and being autonomous and setting your own goals even failing is something that is not for all people uh, some people just like less of a challenge, if you will, more easy understood goals, or at least more gradually escalated goals, where Hitman is like, no, no, it's, it's uh, you know unfiltered free choice in many ways. So yeah, with that comes a lot of pain, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so obviously Absolution wanted to explore a more uh, kind of mainstream friendly game. And I think one of the realizations we've had is that that's not Hitman. And part for the cause for Hitman is to say, yes, we're not going to be like a mega mainstream franchise. That's not really in the cards. Because what we're doing at the heart of the thing is we're presenting people with a very complex game that is about your own goal setting and your own gratification sometimes, even doing stuff where the game gives you no reward, but you go, yes, I did it. (laughs) And it's only you. And that's not for all, all people. And just that, for instance, that way of talking about the difference between blood, money, absolution, and maybe even drawing that line to the world of assassination, I don't think that was top of mind of a lot of people back then. And so I, that's what I mean. Like, I think we're more deliberate. We know who we are. We don't want to kind of go so wide that we ruin what is actually our reason to exist. And so I think that's that's where we found our bedrock over these years.
2: I also think we also like to say that, you know, uh, even though Absolution was uh, a a different path, um, but what Absolution has brought us was that, you know, um, blood money was complex, but it was also complex in terms of controls, Mm -hmm. the the control in your hand. It was also fighting against you sometimes. So, (laughs) So when we say it's not necessarily mainstream, it was not only because of the mechanics of the game, but it was like... Very hard to play on the sticks on, on the controller. And I think uh, some things from Absolution uh, really did did good, mm-hmm. right? In terms of like, yes, I mean, uh, the Wolf Assassination uh, might not be, you know, the 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 most mainstream game, but when you get into it, if you get into it, at least the controller, like, it's more modern. It doesn't work against you, right? <laughs> so if you get the intricacies and and you get you get it, what Hitman is. Then uh, it seems like people are enjoying it much faster than uh, some. I predict yeah, some people uh, uh, drop, the, drop the controller uh, in, <laughs> in, in, in anger with, uh, with uh, some of the old titles. Right?
0: No, I think that's completely fair. <laughs> I think what Blood Money missed was that sense that it's a game you can pick up and play. And Absolution was a harsh lesson for us just how hard it is to create a controllable character where you can rely on everything. The AI is communicating. We did voice. We did a lot of things that we benefited from, for sure, like if you think about it from a game mechanical point of view. And obviously, I think any game, I, so I'm not like an advocate for like undue complexity. Like a game, any game should give you a chance. Like you should be able to pick it up. You should be able to, you know, get, in, get responses to what you're doing, learn what the game mechanics are. I don't think any game is exempt of that kind of contract mm-hmm. with the player. Uh, for I th-
2: sure. I think these things are all like, you build upon some of your experiences, right? Whether it's hugely successful or whether it's been less successful, it's important to learn from that. Right? I mean, we're working on um, the project 007, and you know, the learnings from Absolution, the learning from Hitman, uh, the learnings from building an agent, agent uh, contemporary agent worlds. Uh, you know, all that is valuable to us building something that is not Hitman, uh, but that is something from Iowa.
1: Yeah, wonderful. We're kind of coming to the end of our time here. And thank you for for joining me for so long in the first place anyway. um, But before we go, there are a couple of questions I like to ask everyone. They're kind of fun. They're just some short questions. And the first of them, and we may have touched on this already, but what was your first game that you played? And this can be the literal first game you played, or it can be the first significant game you played, whatever kind of thunders to the front of your mind.
2: I think for me I, the first game of play was ping pong i think but the first significant was uh uh you know my, my dad had this uh, little summer house thing that he uh, sold to this guy in exchange he also come came with a commodore 64 <laughs> and uh, that's a good five, trade uh, five exactly I, I i agree it came with five uh, shoe boxes with tapes and uh so i had this screwdriver and this tape so i could kind of you know you know Adjusted so he could load these different games, and uh, with a ring binder, he came with a ring binder, right? And 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 this guy was saying like a whole new world is gonna open for you, uh, (laughs) you know, kids. And I was like, the first game was called Boulder Dash, uh, and if you're old like me, you you might have tried it. uh, And that was just that was just uh, you know mind blowing, right? And and a everlasting love started from
0: from that moment. Wow. Oh, for sure. and how- like i as I said, like for me, it was. The, I, I still think sometimes I lived in the Caribbean because of of pirates. My one of my fun moments. You don't, was,
2: you don't look like somebody. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's the glory of computer games, you know. Uh, no, but, and I recall, like in the uh, in the locker room at school, we were singing the Ghost and Goblins tune. Like yeah. that's when it starts dawning on you that the games can be something like, um, yeah, more than just a weird sort of. St- hidden away activity like it was it started it started to become culture.
2: Gosh God God. It just reminds me then when uh, reminds me when I like totally randomly uh, I, I hadn't read about it or knew anything about it but the Demon Souls first time I booted that on the PlayStation and played it. You know the, the the instant punishment. You know there was a lot of games before that that was you know got got into this mainstream easy to complete and whatnot, right? Where so I remember vividly when I played Demon's Souls, it actually took me back to yeah, 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 yeah. my uh, youth and childhood where it was really hard playing games. Yes. And one of the things I still take pride in is that I actually completed Ghost and Goblins, the original one. That you know like uh, nice. and it just reminded me like Demon's Souls gave me that same feeling that you had to work hard for it to kind of advance nice. and it was so satisfying. So it was like I, I think some some belief in the in the industry and some reconnection with my inner uh, child got Reconnected uh, by playing Demon's Souls, and you know I'm a big fan of the uh, of the of the games from from software.
0: I still can't <laughs> believe you completed Ghosts and Goblins. I thought it was the hardest yeah, game ever made. It's, it's <laughs> insane.
1: I know, very impressive. So the second of these questions is, what was the last game you played?
2: The last game, uh, I just on the plane on my Switch, I played
0: uh, Hollow Knight. Okay. I think uh, for me it's always a two-fold question because uh, I always play with my dad, and we kind of we, for the last decade we've been playing Company of Heroes because ah. you know, it's just uh, we like strategy games. So I always play that. Like, that would always be my answer. But the last thing I played besides sort of the uh, the, uh, the you know, like home games that would be Vampire Survivors. I had a blast just uh, on a plane and then multiple hours after that it's kind of sticky. You go like, <laughs> what is this thing? And then. Ah, i wonder if i can combine garlic with something you know it's uh, it's, it's, it's 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 super enjoyable and then it's like yeah it's it's fun it's a fun game
1: yeah i know exactly what you mean um, and the last of these questions is best game or favorite game um and you can interpret this however you like i know it's an impossible question i'm sorry for asking it but i have
2: mine is probably a, a game for the amiga that was called Moonstone okay uh, and moonstone like still to this day i feel like it has been uh, and is still ahead of time it's like a it, like a tabletop game like a, a pvp game pvp ve game fantasy rpg uh, in 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 multiplayer in one and uh, it's still like with a with a with a, at a gunpoint, I would say that's probably the best uh, best game I've uh, you
0: know uh, played. Good answer. I mean, I think it's an impossible question to be <laughs> honest. I, I you know it, it kind of you get asked that quite a lot. I don't think I can give you an answer. Like I think it's it's it for me it comes back to either moments in time. Like um, I don't know how to put it. Like. I could say, on one level, the most beautiful game I ever played was Defender of the Crown and Commodore 64, <laughs> because where well, by the time I saw that game, I I didn't think you could build anything that beautiful, if you know what I mean. And I just obsessed about that game and how how well made it was. Uh, but then, as I talked about, like uh, I enjoyed playing with my with my dad and my friends. So sometimes it's just whatever game kind of um, surfaces. I don't I don't know like. I really don't want to answer that because I don't think it's completely. Uh, I don't think I have one game. It's
2: not fair to do other games. No,
0: that's what yes. I mean. Like uh, I would say I, Heroes
2: of Might and Magic 3 is a, is a close up wow. to Moonstone. Yeah. Uh, so, I played like, I don't know how many hours with that game. I know you played it a lot. No, no, it's like, just, uh, I was just yeah. thinking
0: like, my, my uh, school, like my, my friend, way back from school, we just booted up this mod for Heroes of Might and Magic 3, which, uh, which makes it possible to play it. Uh, Real time turn based, so they, there's not turn based hot seat anymore. We played with hot ah, seat back in the day, yes. <laughs> so we had to wait for each other. So we were amazed at this. Like there's a mod, you you we bought it on on good old games, you boot it up, and then on Discord we could share each our screen. So this whole thing, you're battling, but I'm bored. That that kind of went away as well. So we can watch each other's battles, and we can have t- uh, you know uh, turns at the same time. And like, wow, that was a, a blast. I can't. Well, one of them, the, I need to figure it up Yeah, it's one of, the, but that's one of the, <laughs> the classics for
1: sure. For sure. Great answers. Hakan and Christian, thank you so much uh, for spending time with me today. Um, I've really enjoyed um, hearing more about your stories, and I hope you've enjoyed answering some of the questions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank
2: you so much.
1: Um, I'm Bertie. That was one to one. Pop us a quick review if you've liked the episode, it really helps. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.